Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is July 23rd, and our reading comes from Romans chapter 8. Beginning in verse 9, Paul says this, You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So when you and I placed our faith and trust in Jesus because of what He accomplished on the cross, our sin was forgiven. The Spirit of God came to live inside of us. And like we talked about in detail yesterday, The Christian life is learning to be led by the Spirit. It's learning to recognize God is with me. So I want to begin my day kind of checking in, and I want to begin my day tuning my ear, turning my attention to God so that I can live the rest of my day paying attention to what God is doing in me and through me and around me, how God is present in every moment, every space, every relationship, every conversation. That's the Christian life. I'm living with God. I'm walking with God and trying to represent Him in every area of my life. And Paul says the Spirit of God is living in you to make that happen. Then watch this, verse 11, so encouraging. He says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. So the Spirit of God is in us to empower us, to produce a resurrection in us. And that doesn't just refer to uh, eternal life and living forever. It also means even now that God is bringing to life things that we thought were dead. And God is redeeming our past. And God is leading us into a greater measure of freedom and life. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. That is a resurrection. Then verse 12, he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So again, because we are led by His Spirit, that is the real evidence that we are the children of God. And the Spirit of God inside of us empowers us to put to death our sin. We don't have to live in sin. We're not enslaved to sin any longer. We can put that to death, and then we can turn our appetite and our longings to God and allow Him to bring healing and to satisfy all those deepest needs so that we can live in a growing measure of freedom, to live in a way that pleases God and that blesses us. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. No, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba, Father. So we want to relate to God with childlike faith, trusting in our Father. In fact, I love how in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he began the Lord's prayer by saying, this is how you need to pray. Our Father, that you need to come to God in prayer with a childlike faith, 
with this childlike posture, trusting that God is good and he's your father and he's concerned about every need in your life. So we don't approach God fearfully. We approach him confidently. Why? Because we're standing in grace. We've talked about that this week. And because of what Jesus has done, we're not afraid. We're covered in the, his grace, his righteousness. We run into his presence with childlike faith. We are his children, verse 16. And not only that, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we're God's children. So again, we talked some about assurance, but our assurance comes as we learn to live in his presence and God's spirit gives us that assurance. Verse 17, and since we're his children, we are his heirs. This is so crazy. In fact, we are joint heirs with Christ. Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Isn't that amazing? In other words, Paul is saying because of what Jesus has done and because we've been adopted in his family, what belongs to Christ belongs to us. We are his brothers and sisters. We are heirs of his kingdom. Man, that's incredible. Now watch this. But he says at the end of verse 17, if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Now this is so important just to touch on. In American culture, in American Christian culture, we seem surprised when we suffer. This is why it's so important to open our Bible, to read the Bible every day, because it changes the way we think. It helps us to see the world through a biblical lens instead of through a secular humanist lens. But it's like in American culture, we think, well, I went to church and I served the Lord. Why am, why am I suffering? But yet the Bible clearly says, I, I think about what Peter says. Peter says, don't be surprised when you encounter these fiery trials. Uh, James says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Trials are part of the human experience, but God works redemptively in our trials to produce a lot of good in our life. He's redeeming us. He's purifying us. He's refining us. He's making us more and more like Jesus. So we are his heirs and God is refining us through our trials. And so just like Jesus suffered, we should expect to suffer. And just like Jesus has been glorified, we should expect to experience his glory. Now, verse 18, he says this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So although suffering is part of the human experience, there's no, no escaping it. It's also true that what we suffer now does not compare to the reward that is coming and all that God is trying to produce that's good in our life here and now and in eternity. So good. Verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. 
as a foretaste of future glory. So all of creation longs for the day when we're free from the curse, free from death, free from disease, free from aging, free from wrinkles, free from all the bad things in this world. All creation longs for redemption, longs for the second coming of Christ, and His Spirit in us gives us tremendous assurance that Jesus is coming back, that our suffering is temporary, and that God is going to redeem all things. I cannot wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for all that we're learning. Help us all to grow in our capacity to live in your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live in us, that you're always with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to produce your life in us. Help us all to make room for you, to silence the noise, to listen to your voice, and to step in to all that you have for us. God, I pray for those who are listening today and suffering. God, I don't want to make light of their situation. But God, I pray that they would see their suffering is refining them, that you are working redemptively in their suffering to produce good things in their life. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with me today. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.